are back on One True Podcast, talking Baylor and Big 12 college football. Alongside me, as always, is John Werner. And our special guest this week, from right here in town, uh, we have Matt Roberts from KWKT, Fox 44. Matt, thanks for joining us. Uh, I appreciate that. It's special guest. I like that. I appreciate yeah, you guys uh, guest. having me on. I'm, I'm honored. <laughs> guest star. <laughs> hey, Matt, I, I don't see you on enough Zoom, so I thought we should have one here. Yeah, I know. I, 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 I can't wait to uh, see you guys in person again. I feel like we see each other all the time, just, you know, not, not enough in person. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. No doubt. Uh, I thought Matt would be appropriate to have on this week just because um, Matt has – Connections, obviously, here in Waco covering uh, the Bears, but also uh, very well acquainted with Texas Tech, an alum uh, of yeah. Tech. Uh, what's the communication school there called? Uh, we, we don't have a name just yet. Uh, I've, I've heard the, the Scott Pelley uh, School of Journalism bandied about, but I don't think uh, any of them quite have a name yet. So it's just the Texas Tech School of Mass Communication. So back when you could actually major in broadcast journalism yeah, yeah. <laughs> before they kind of converged at all so yeah. the olden days <laughs> yeah the olden days yeah right right yeah <laughs> yeah uh so matt uh went to tech uh he actually worked in lubbock he worked in abilene and baton rouge and now has been in waco for about four years so uh you know glad to uh, Matt does a great job over there at, at 44 and um, thought, like I said, thought he'd be good to have on. And so we're glad that you're joining us. Uh, so, guys, uh, this is the first time since 2008 that Baylor will make that little drive out to Lubbock. <laughs> uh, and just to put that in perspective, that was Art Bryles's first season at Baylor um yeah. so it's been a while uh, yeah well and, and, a, and a quick quick funny story about that I was a, a sophomore that was the 08 year that Tech had just lost to Oklahoma and the Big 12 dreams were I think Mike Leach was trying to push for uh the the tie being broken by graduation rate he was unsuccessful but uh, I drove up from Thanksgiving no one none of my friends were going I drove by myself from Bernie back up to Lubbock to go watch us play Baylor because at the time I was like well you know, we're going to be Baylor. I'll, it'll be fun. I'll have a, have a good time. And yeah, that, uh, that quarterback, I can't remember his name for Baylor. Uh, <laughs> he went on to do some good things, but, uh, yeah, that was a little, little more, it was, a, it was, it was very Steelers Cowboys almost. I was way more nervous than, uh, than I thought I was going to be heading back up to Lubbock after Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. John and I remember that trip that Baylor was just starting to get a little respectable because I mean, you know, they were still what four and eight that year, John. Yeah. But you could see the signs that they were becoming a little more competitive, and uh, that was uh, exciting after seeing some many, many bad years. Of- yeah, yeah. yeah they, they did have that RG three guy. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah uh, that, that little that quarterback for Baylor that went on to do do some things. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> right, yeah. pretty decent career. Pretty pretty decent career, Baylor. Right. <laughs> but bringing it to the future and the present, uh, so neither Baylor nor Texas Tech is exactly in a very good spot this year. Uh, Bears are one and four with kind of a middling offense and a couple of uh, very key injuries that that uh, came down this week. Red Raiders are two and five. They have two close wins over Houston Baptist and West Virginia. So, guys, who do you think needs a win more, Tech or Baylor? 
Yeah, I mean, given given what's happened with Tech over the last couple of weeks and some of the things that have that have happened with Matt Wells, some of the calls that were made last week in that game against TCU, I I honestly think it is Texas Tech because it is the first year under Dave Aranda, and you know, I it's it's getting to you know fans are getting restless in Lubbock, which sounds silly to say in in two years in, you know, not even two years in from Matt Wells, uh, his tenure there. I, I think that they need some, some positive things to start happening for them a little bit more often. I mean, if you're West Virginia, you're looking at that tech game and you're saying, what, what, how, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. And you're kind of kicking yourself a little bit. And, and I, I, I do think that Dave Aranda getting his program installed in a really, really weird year. I think, you know, 2020, you kind of get a pass for, for Dave Aranda. And, and I think as long as you can see some, some continued improvement for Baylor, maybe it's, you know, it's like how Tech beat West Virginia. It's, it's a win at the last minute. I think there's enough positive trajectory for Baylor that, you know, I, I think Dave Aranda has a little bit more, I hate to say leash, but I mean, he's got, he, it's his first year in, in a weird year. And so I think Tech needs to get something done. Johnny? Yeah, I agree with Matt. I, like he said, Matt Wells, he's in his second year. They need to start showing some improvement. And I, I've written about this before. I, I mean, Dave Aranda, to me, this is just like a mulligan year. Uh, you know, no spring drills, couldn't really get his program going, had to do it all by Zoom early. And, uh, and now they've got Terrell Bernard out for the year, shoulder injury. Squirrel Williams, uh, who is starting to come on at running back, he's out with a really bad knee injury. And uh, that's two of your best players right there. And Terrell, he, he's, he is their best player. So, uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I think Tech's going to win this game. I don't, I don't know if we want a prediction right here or not. But, but uh, yeah, I just – Baylor has a lot of things they need to get together before they're a very good football team. Here's the thing about mulligans, uh, and we may talk a little golf later with our friend Matt, but <laughs> but, but so the thing about mulligans, uh, Johnny, you recall we had a podcast a couple few weeks ago and Baylor played Texas, and we had our buddies Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles on yeah. from the Statesman, and uh, and we were bringing up that idea of you can't judge anybody on 2020, you know, and uh, and said said. That doesn't play in Austin, Texas. <laughs> you know? and, and so I would say that uh, that idea of it's Dave Aranda's mulligan year, I'm not sure it plays with the fan base. Uh, mm-hmm. Fans get restless, you know, uh, even in what's supposed to be a rebuilding year. So I think Baylor fans are hungry for a win um, and, and getting a little – antsy and and maybe want to see a change at quarterback and all that kind of thing um that all that said i do agree with you guys i think tech probably has maybe just a little bit more pressure on it to win especially because it being a home game as well um so as as matt said it is matt wells for uh, second year there at tech and uh, you know, he didn't exactly inherit a juggernaut from Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, but, you know, again, Matt alluded to this, that the Tech fans are getting a little restless there. Um, they were 4-8 and eight last year and um, are in a similar spot this year. I have always sort of contended that year three 
is when you can kind of start to judge a college football coach because now he's got his guys in the system. He's got, uh, you know, they should be pretty familiar with, with what he wants. Um, and then, like I said, we've said several times this year, John, where it's hard to judge anybody on 2020, but my question is this sort of a long winded buildup there uh, is Matt Wells, the answer in Lubbock, Matt, we'll start with you. You know, I, I, it, it's tough to say right now. I, I, I will say I'm, I'm encouraged by what I've seen from that team under Matt Wells in the fight that they continue to show. And I talked a little bit about this, that Tracy Saul and I were just kind of talking last year in passing about, you know, when you watch, when you watch tech, you know, what do you think of this team? And I think we both kind of came away with the same impression is that, yeah, man, they just, they, they battle. And I think that's what you want from a new head coach in Wells who took over a program that, you know, maybe had those starters that, you know, you see Cliff recruited Pat Mahomes and, you know, he got Terrence Steele and some of those guys out there and he could recruit front front line talent really, really well. But I think the depth is where tech has really struggled over the years. And they're just not, they cannot stack up with a lot of these big 12 teams from a depth standpoint. And it's one of the reasons I think that Cliff Kingsbury is a great fit in the NFL because he doesn't have to worry about personnel nearly as much. He can, you know, as, as Jimbo Fisher says, just worry about ball and, you know, he, he can go and get, and I, and I think we've seen that over the last few years at tech is he's been able to get some really good players out there, mainly the, the reigning Super Bowl champion, but they just haven't been able to develop that depth. And I think Matt Wells is starting to get some of that. And he's starting to see, uh, you know, some, some, inroads on the recruiting trail you know Cameron Valdez a guy that we know about down here signing with Texas Tech I think winning some of those does help Matt Wells and I think you see there's several times that you know all year long watching Tech for as long as I have especially under Cliff you, you would kind of have that catastrophic moment and you're like man this team's done they're not you know get a punt block something like that and I think in that Texas game this year there was seven or eight catastrophic moments, maybe in the first half and Texas tech was able to battle their way back. So I don't, is he the answer? I, I would just trust in Kirby Hocutt because Kirby Hocutt brought, you know, Tim Tadlock to tech. He brought Chris Beard to tech and Chris Beard's another guy that's trumpeted Matt Wells and said, Matt Wells is going to be a star. He said that on a podcast earlier this summer that he thinks Matt Wells is going to be great. So, uh, you know, the answer i I think that there's there's some signs there that show that he can be. I think he's just got to get a little bit more consistent, and he's got to win those close games. I mean, that's been his bugaboo here. So, you know, maybe it, it starts this weekend. Tech really hasn't had a strong – you haven't really felt great about a season since maybe 2013 when you go into the offseason, going from the season to the offseason. You really haven't felt a lot of positive. And, that, you know, they beat Arizona State in the Holiday Bowl that year, and then – you know, again, that was with a lot of Tommy Tuberville's players, as we, we found out later on. I mean, but I, I think that Matt Wells is the answer right now for Texas Tech. Yeah, I, th- I think he's moving in the right direction. John? Yeah, obviously, uh, Matt knows a lot about – a lot more about Tech than I do. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think by now you, you would have liked to have seen more improvement. Um, but I think the jury's definitely out on him. And – uh I think he's going to do better than Kingsbury and well, he's going to have to, to keep his job. But, uh, but I don't know yet. I mean, we'll see. I mean, from everybody you hear, he's, he's a, a really good coach. Uh, he's had success in the past. 
Dave Aranda would definitely say he's a very good coach. <laughs> you know, they coached together. Uh, they were 11 and two in 2012. Has, has Dave Aranda coached with everyone in the big 12? Seems like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I've done uh, quite a few coaching connection stories and yeah. uh, I'll have another one Saturday. Actually, it's kind of saved me a little bit because once they start losing, you know, you kind of get in the same old grind. Well, they got to win this game, but at least it's give me a little variety here. A little storyline yeah. to follow. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But uh, I think the jury's still out on on Matt Wells. Yes, I I, uh, I agree that I, I think this was probably not a fair question to ask y'all uh, because, like I said uh, – it to me, you can't really judge a coach on until about year three. Uh, so we'll see. I, I think, you know, uh, maybe we circle back and ask this question again in a year, but, um, but uh, I agree with, with Matt that, um, you know, he does have a good proven track record. They made a bowl more often than not at Utah state uh, had some, some really good seasons there, obviously a very different conference, a very different landscape, but give him some time. I mean, that's what you have to do. You have to give him some time and, and then we'll judge it maybe a little bit down the road. Um, yeah. And, and I think that for, for tech fans, I, I think most of them, you know, m- most rational thinking tech fans, they don't expect him to, to go to big 12 championships every year. They do expect, you know, the consistent competitive teams, you know, like with Leach, it was always you're going to win one you probably shouldn't, and you honestly you're probably going to lose one that you, you shouldn't on on several occasions. And so I just think they want a team that's competitive, that's in the mix, and I think you're seeing the beginnings of that. I just think you know they Tech fans would like to see a little bit more, a little bit quicker, especially here down the stretch where you got Baylor, you've got Kansas, and you've got Oklahoma State. Really, you know, it's hard to go to Stillwater and win a game against Oklahoma State, but they just need some positive momentum, like I said, going into the off season. Yeah. Uh, and not to chase a squirrel here, but uh, Matt, you mentioned Tracy Saul, a past podcast guest of ours. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. That's, got, yeah. I lose, oh, the, the great Tracy Saul. The I'm, great I'm Tracy Saul. He was, a, he was a great, great player at Tech and, of course, a uh, Red Raider living here in Waco, as is our colleague, Chad Conine. Uh, right. <laughs> We we're, we probably can't have Chad on. He gets a little too salty, and yeah. we'd have to hit the bleep button a few times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's the tech fan existence right now. Though, on the football season, you just kind of yeah, you got you got to have that bleep button ready a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of chasing a squirrel, how about that for a segue? Uh, so Baylor got some devastating injury news this year, this week. Uh, they do lose their squirrel in Craig Squirrel Williams uh, and also Terrell Bernard. Um, you guys mentioned that earlier. Uh, season-ending injuries for those guys, two you know dynamic players on both sides of the ball. And as John said to <clears throat> to me, Bernard, I don't even think it's arguably. I think he was absolutely Baylor's best player. Uh, leading the Big 12 in tackles per game, uh, fifth in sacks. Um, But it's also easy to forget that Terrell Bernard was a backup at the start of the 2019 season. He didn't come on until Clay Johnston got hurt and suffered his own season-ending injury. So is there a Terrell (laughs) Bernard breakout guy waiting in the wings? John, I'll start with you. Boy, that's a pretty high bar 
Because <laughs> <laughs> Terrell, once he replaced Clay last year, I mean, Clay was having a phenomenal year. Yeah. But Terrell might have been even better when he yeah. stepped in. He, he played like an all-Big 12 linebacker. Yeah. Uh, you know, the guy replacing Terrell is Abram Smith, who hasn't played very much. Uh, I think he has two tackles this year. Mm. So, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know if he's going to step up like Terrell did last year. That's going to be very hard. Uh, but at least, you know, he'll have a shot here. I think some other guys are going to have to step up. You know, guys like William Bradley King, uh, you know, he might have to get more sacks for them. Uh, you know, Dylan Doyle, who, who's done a really good job at middle linebacker. You know, he, he might have to become more of a big play guy. You know, they're, they're guys in the secondary. Uh, you know, they're, both their cornerbacks got interceptions last week, Kaline Barnes and Riley Texada. So, I mean, uh, you know, th they have some guys, some veteran guys who can step up. And, and do a good job. But, uh, boy, what what a big loss. And, and thing is, he, he's just a, as good a guy off the field. I mean, every time I've interviewed him, uh, I've just been really impressed, just the way he answers questions, just his perspective on things. You know, it just seems like a kind of a, a mature voice in the locker room. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that, that, that's a really big loss. Yeah, and I think it's tough, you know, because that's instantly where my mind went was, well, you know, Terrell filled in for Clay last year. And I, I think, you know, looking for a video of, of Abram this year, I've got a touchdown of him at running back against SFA, but that's, that's about it. That's all, you know, he just, he, he's, he, he's been playing running back. He's a converted linebacker. So I think it's tough to expect a guy like that, you know, you know, came out of a, a very good, high school football program there in uh, Abilene, Abilene High Eagles, baby. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I think that uh, there's going to be some drop-off there, as you would expect. And, but I do think, like John said, I think that there are some guys on that defense that are stepping up that can kind of fill in around him a lot. Like last year, you know, that team did for, for Terrell when he first stepped in there. And then, you know, against Oklahoma State, he takes a touch, you know, a fumble back for a touchdown in his first game. And, and uh, you know, it kind of announced his presence. And then a couple of weeks later, is tackling 19 guys at TCU. So uh, <laughs> I, I think that it's, it's a little bit tough to expect that kind of production from a guy like Abram Smith. I, I just, like, like you said, I think not only with Dave Aranda and, and Ron Roberts there to kind of help him through that, but Terrell's kind of right there behind him and he's going to mentor him. So, there will be a drop off, but I think the other guys around him will step up and help him through this. Yeah, I think I think that's who it's on. I think it's on those other guys. You know, it's on uh, the guys that you guys mentioned, like like William Bradley King, and uh, one that John you didn't mention was Jalen Petrie. I mean, a, another yeah. guy that's been in the program for a few years now, and um, you know has some playmaking abilities. So um, you know, it'll have to be a collective effort, but. I don't think you you replace guys like Terrell Bernard easily. I mean, that's why he was playing at an All-American level. So yeah. <laughs> those guys don't grow on trees. But um, so around the league this week, the only other game in the Big 12 is uh, West Virginia and TCU. And uh, the Frogs are 3-3 three and three this year, kind of, uh, you know, mediocre team. Um but all three wins came over their in-state Texas rivals. They beat the Longhorns, they beat the Bears, and they beat the Red Raiders. 
Um, I actually saw a tweet, and I don't even remember who this was from. It could have been just some uh, Joe Schmo fan, but uh, that suggested that Gary Patterson is actually overrated as a coach. Uh, and it got me thinking about that little uh, thesis. And so <laughs> I present it to you guys. Is he overrated, underrated, properly rated? I'll, I'll, I mean, haven't watched him for, for as long as I have. I actually went to um, his football camp uh, as a junior in high school. Nice. And, uh, All right. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, I've, I've seen him up close. I, I think he's properly rated. I mean, I think every press conference, you know, when I've been in Lubbock, when I've been here, you always talk about Gary Patterson and that defense and just the way that he gets his teams to play. Most of the time, you're going to get a tough, physical, athletic defensive team and and he seems to be able to find those kind of gyms you know hybrid guys to play on that defense that turn into to stars in this league um you know is is he i definitely don't think he's overrated i think he's got an extended track record of success taking you know the program into the big 12 had a, a, a couple rough years but then you know goes to the peach bowl and destroys Ole miss after you know that that memorable or you know, forgettable 2014 year for uh, Baylor and TCU fans left out of the playoff that year. But uh, I, I think that I, I, I think he's properly rated. I think he's a great coach and I think people give him his due. And it's not like he's winning the Big 12 every year or he's in the, you know, he's he's in that top half usually, but he's he's never going to be in that bottom half. So I, I think we've got Gary, Gary Patterson slotted pretty well. <laughs> Johnny? Yeah, uh, I, I think he's a, a really good coach, and I, I'm assuming that comment probably came from a Baylor fan. It could have been. Could have been. Because <laughs> obviously Baylor fans hate Gary Patterson. Well, right. Uh, well, one thing really interesting about this game, though, uh, West Virginia is 4-0 at home. I mean, even without fans, that's a long trip. And, uh, you know, so th- that's an advantage for them. But TCU's – uh, is two and zero on the road this year. Mm. Uh, they they've won. They beat Texas in Austin, and of course beat Baylor here. So uh, you know they're a pretty good road team, I guess. They haven't yeah. been that good of a home team. I mean they're three and three overall. Uh, but uh, I think maybe some of that their road success goes back to their toughness under uh, Gary Patterson. Probably their. Uh, you know, they're probably kind of taught, you know, how to handle the environment. I mean, he's been there a long time. And, uh, you know, I think there's a certain toughness about his teams. And I think that's kind of displayed in road games. And yeah, I, th- and I think oh, – sorry, sorry, Bryce. I, I just think, you know, he snapped – I think he does get up to play in-state schools especially too. I mean, you look at, at the three wins this year, they're all in-state, as you mentioned, Bryce. I think – uh, SMU's Twitter uh, trolled him a little bit though with the the, the skillet and said, "Well, hold on there. I don't think yeah. you're quite you're quite Texas. You're not yet, quite the state champ." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if, if there is going to be a letdown against a good team like West Virginia, I think it's going to be like you said this week on the road, traveling east a long way against a team that uh, I mean, it's 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 a Big Twelve team, but it, it's not one of the traditional powers that that Gary Patterson teams get up for. And I think that's where you get into you know, he's properly rated as sometimes they do go lay an egg in games where, you know, maybe you, you wouldn't expect them to do that. Yeah. 
I agree with you guys. I think uh, I think Gary Patterson's a good coach. I think he maximizes his talent, and uh, TCU certainly has had some teams in contention. You know, in the Big Twelve. I mean, one that was on the the brink of making the Final Four that first year of the college football playoff. So, I mean, that's pretty good. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, that's pretty good. And and as as Matt said with Matt Wells earlier, I think that's probably what TCU fans expect is to be competitive. And then every two or three years, I have a team that, you know, is really pretty good and, and, you know, can win 10 or 11 games. So um, yeah. guys, it's, it's master's week, uh, which oh, is weird to stay <laughs> in November. <laughs> and um, so Matt, you're a big golf guy. Uh, you, you were telling us you uh, covered the master's, like nine times. Uh, so nine times. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's really cool by the way. Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, so what's your favorite thing about, you know, covering the masters and do you have a, a good story from Augusta? Man, I, I just, I, I've got, I've got so many good stories. I've been blessed to be in some pretty awesome positions down there. Um, working, working with CBS sports. And um, you know, I think my favorite thing is, is just the, the ambiance of being there, you know, like every time I'll go out there, you know, I've worked several different shifts. I've worked at different times of the day, but I'll always try and go find some time to go out there, go to the snack stand, spend $5 and get my entire lunch and then go sit under a pine tree down at Amen corner, go sit in the bleachers at 15 or something like that. And just taking in the ambiance of the tournament and the buzz and, uh, you know, it's just it's just a really, really cool place. And it's hard to do it justice talking about it and even seeing it on TV because, you know, you, you go out there and you just kind of just being in the moment and, and you're, there's no cell phones, which is incredible. No cell phones allowed. So you just go out there. No one can get a hold of you. You, you just you're, you're away. You're watching golf and you're focused on that 100 percent and just the beautiful scenery around you. I mean, you know, in, in April, typically the azaleas are in bloom and, and everything just looks perfect. There's not a blade of grass out of place. There's not a piece of trash on the ground. They take a lot of pride in that. So just being out there and soaking it all in is, uh, is, is one of my favorite things to do. And the other thing, you know, probably one of my favorite memories uh, working with, with CBS. I've got, I've got a ton, but uh, the, the butler cabin ceremony that they do, um, some might call it the most awkward television there is, but I think uh, there, there's uh, it's, it's still really neat to me and what I, I would help uh, block that ceremony out. So on Thursday morning and then again on Sunday morning, me and three buddies would go to Butler Cabin and Jim Nance would be there and Billy Payne would be there. Did you ever and- get to wear the green jacket? <laughs> no, no, I did. The, the one, the, they had me mock it. They had me wear uh, Jim's, or I don't think it was Jim's, but it was one of the CBS blue blazers. So okay. I put the, uh, put the blue, I've, I've done it, you know, I've done it several times. And so I've been the past champion. I've been low amateur. I've been the <laughs> champion. And so I've, I've played a lot of different roles and, and uh, you know, Jim Nance would interview me as if we just won the masters. And, and sometimes it was, you know, if, if, if there was a more serious tone in there, depending on who was in there and he'd ask me, you know, golf questions, but there would be other times where he'd ask people, he'd be like, so Carter, when you go to in and out what's your go-to order? And they just a Jim Nance tone. And, uh, you know, I, I think this was like three, three or three or four years in a row that I'd done it. And, uh, I walked in and, and I shook, 
Jim's hand as, uh, you know, like we used to do in the world, uh, shake people's hand. And uh, he, he looked at me, he goes, wow, back here once again and an unprecedented run at Augusta National. <laughs> and I was like, this can't get, I, I somehow went from, from past champion to new champion to low amateur. So it's, I've, I've played a lot of roles. Yeah. So that, that definitely was, uh, you know, those were, were some fun times. Mocking yeah. up, and I've got a DVD somewhere. I gotta go. I gotta go find it. But the DVD was when I was the past champion, and as you know, the past champion does not say anything. So it's kind of <laughs> there on my hands with my blue CBS blazer on my lap. <laughs> That's very cool. Very cool. Well, yeah. uh, you have a good reason for missing this year. Which tell yeah. us what that is. So my wife and I are expecting our first child, little girl. Um, oh. My wife's thirty-eight weeks, so we're just kind of at this point. Where I got my bags packed and uh, I'm tethered to the house, so there's about a there's a radius where I can I can leave. So I'm not even going too far out to shoot football games, high school football games these days, because yeah. I got to be be ready for the bat signal. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's, that's, awesome, that's, man. that's yes, congratulations, and Thank you. Uh, that's that's awesome. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm you. sure your wife will at least let you watch, you know, Augusta on the high def TV there. So yeah, right, yeah. Well, I, I, I was joking when they told us the due date originally. I was like, well, if it's my daughter, I bet she's going to want to try to get out here and see a November Masters just to see what that looks like. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, uh, yeah. hey, Josh, Briggs, I, go I ahead. I to add something. I'm not a huge golf fan, but if there's a guy who will, will skip the ball five times across the water <laughs> and make the shot, I would watch every round of every tournament. <laughs> I think one of the tweets this week was do it on Sunday. You coward. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Well, played. Yeah. well, yeah. uh, in honor of the masters in honor of Matt being here, I will just close by saying goodbye friends. <laughs> <laughs>